Hey, this is Nate with Purity for Life. If you haven't already heard the big news, here it is. On April 1st, we will be officially changing the name of this podcast to the Pure Life Ministries Podcast. If you're subscribed, you don't need to do anything on your end except be on the lookout for some new album art and our new name. If you aren't subscribed, Now would be a great time to do that so that you don't need to remember to find us under our new name, the Pure Life Ministries Podcast. Once we roll out the Pure Life Ministries Podcast, I'll be explaining why we made this change and announce some other changes coming that I think you'll really find to be a blessing. All of that will happen when we release our first episode on April 1st under the new name, the Pure Life Ministries Podcast. All right, that's it for now. Here's the episode. The spiritual atmosphere in the home, it's conducive to the things of God. We definitely have that daily time as a family around the Bible and prayer. I can't tell you how many people say to us, man, your home is just so peaceful. You can have a list of do's and don'ts, but if it's not flowing out of who you are in your life in Christ itself, then the odds of you raising a child who knows the right thing to do but chooses otherwise could be very high. Sometimes we take the safety and protection of our homes for granted. We lock the doors at night and we assume that everyone inside is going to be safe. But then the pandemic strikes and suddenly everyone watches their lives really closely, where they go, what they touch, who they're around. Because the fear is... If I'm not vigilant, a danger I can't even see is going to threaten my family's health, maybe even their lives. And that is exactly the kind of vigilance needed to protect our children from the virus of sexual sin. Thanks for joining us for the third episode of Four Parents. This week, we focus on the vital need to create a godly atmosphere in our homes. start off this episode by reviewing our series so far because we need to remember that our children are growing up in a really perilous spiritual environment. We've been descending into depravity rapidly since the 1960s. Sexual material that was once difficult to find is now widely available. I mean, stop and think about what you see every day. Commercials for household goods are displaying half-naked women Magazine racks are glorifying celebrities' immoral lives, and smartphones make it really simple to bring unspeakable depravity right into the bedroom. Now, if that wasn't bad enough, the public has been convinced that evil is the good guy, and good has been rebranded as evil. Literature and television that pushes the LGBTQ agenda receives high praise. Sex education has been welcomed with open arms, and chastity is shunned as just one more hindrance to man's freedom. For the Christian, there ought to be two places where the carnal and sensual spirit of the world is denied entrance, the church and the home. 
But tragically, the spirit of the world has found its way into the church through compromised churchgoers. And we've explored this extensively in both our Church Addicted and World of Lies series. But there's still the home. There is such potential for it to be a refuge from the spirit of the world. And what a blessing it is for children when a father and mother decide that the corruption of the culture will not find easy entrance into their home. Today we want to talk about the power of atmospheres, more specifically about why a godly atmosphere is crucial when it comes to keeping your children free from the seducing allure of sexual sin. First, though, I want to see if I can help you understand what we mean by an atmosphere, because this is critical to understand before we go any further. I think we can get a sense of what an atmosphere is by just a few examples. Think about an upscale steak restaurant, and now think about a biker bar. There's a big difference there, isn't there? Now, hopefully you're not too familiar with the biker bar. Here's another one. Think about a beautiful choir singing Handel's Messiah. Now think about a rock band like Rolling Stones or Nirvana. Last one. Think about a conversation with a person who is full of compassion and love. Now think about a conversation with a person who's full of anger and bitterness. It's a very different atmosphere, isn't there? You see... Every place we go has a definite spiritual atmosphere. Everything we watch or listen to has an atmosphere attached to it, and every person we associate with carries a spiritual atmosphere with them. And unless we're on our guard, these atmospheres affect us. They can trigger different emotions. They can stir up our thoughts. They can even influence our actions. The Word of God says this, do not be deceived. Bad company corrupts good morals. And we could easily say bad movies, bad stores, bad music, bad homes corrupt good morals. This is where we need to be really honest with ourselves as Christians, even if we don't have kids. Is my home the kind of home that God would be attracted to or repelled from? If God were to visit my home, would he find things in it that offend him, that are repulsive to him? Just think about the movies, the magazines, the television shows, the music. Would he be at rest in my home, or would he find things that he would want to pack up and burn? But it goes deeper than that, doesn't it? Because when we start to think about things this way, we have to ask ourselves, would the atmosphere of my life be attractive to him? If he came to visit me, what would he find inside me? Would he find humility, love, worship, and peace exuding from my heart? Or would he find strife, worldliness, anger, discontentment, covetousness, pride? In other words, the atmosphere in our home isn't just about what we keep out or bring in. It's about us and the kind of life that we lead. Okay, now I want you to hear from Adam and Shelley, because their lives perfectly illustrate some of the things we're talking about here. 
Adam graduated from our Overcomers at Home program over 15 years ago. He works as a homicide investigator in a large American city, so he's not shielded from the darker aspects of this world. He and Shelly have two kids, and their lives are full of personal devotion and love for the Lord. And I think you'll hear some really good thoughts about how to create a godly atmosphere in the home for your children. So, Adam and Shelley, when we originally started planning for this series, the first thing, well, our first intention was that we wanted to talk to parents about how they could help their children find freedom from pornography. But as we began to think about the series and talk to other parents, it became really clear that what we needed to do was speak more broadly about the kind of parenting a child needs to have in order to be successful in the in this godless world. So less about crisis counseling or parenting and more about just what does it mean to really parent in a godly way. And as we thought about that, it it was just really um we just began to see how vulnerable kids are in in this world and how much protection and guidance and discipling children need and so i'd like to start off with hearing your thoughts about how you see yourself as parents when it comes to protecting them from the world well i mean you know nate it's it's extremely important you know that we protect them from the things of the world um the influences of the world the atmospheres of the world i mean it's definitely important Part of the reason that I was in so much trouble was because I was given over to the things of the world and in love with the world. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, it's important to raise them up separate from the flow of the way the world is going. Uh, it's definitely important. My son is 10. My daughter's eight. And I see other kids their age um, fully given over to the world. You know, just a, a phone with no filters, no uh, uh, safeguards. Um, <clears throat> in fact, I was asking one of my son's friends not too long ago, hey, have you seen any movies lately? And the movies they were naming at 10 years old were, you know, R-rated movies, mm. you know, at AMC theaters and whatnot or Netflix and whatever. <clears throat> you know, we uh, talked to some other kids in the neighborhood that, you know, they stay up all night watching TV and uh, all channels, I mean, you know, 180 channels and a phone with no filters. And, you know, when you look at that, it's sad because there's, you know, I know what they're what they're able to look at or what they are possibly looking at. <clears throat> and I also don't see any um, life in them. I was just mm-hmm. looking at one today, a little girl today and a friend of the friend of ours in the neighborhood and she just has no life, no joy, certainly no interest in the things of God or anything. And just, I mean, she's sweet as can be. Don't get me wrong. But you just see the difference in, for instance, like our homeschool group. Mm-hmm. Uh, our homeschool group is, you know, all the, the parents are like-minded. Um, we're all in the narrow way. Uh, we're all raising our kids separate, you know, uh, from the world and the things of the world. So when you look at those kids... You see a tremendous difference. You know, you see kids that are lifed and uh, enjoy, and you see a, um, a radiance of innocence, 
somewhat mm. still in them, you know, between mm. the ages of eight and 12 and 14, where some of the other kids that are not uh, being raised in that godly manner, you know, you almost just don't see the innocence there anymore. It's kind of yeah. sad. I think it scares me. Like, who is protecting them? I mean, like, if a parent is not doing it, then honestly, nobody else is doing it. And it truly is, I mean, I can honestly say it's work. It is work to be on top of what they watch, what they read, what they're listening to, who they're talking to, what phones their friends have. But if you're not doing it as a parent, you are letting in anything into their lives. Yeah, that that thought of, of innocence is really interesting because I was just listening to something this morning and the uh, the preacher was talking about the innocence of Adam and Eve, and it was the loss of innocence that was the loss of, of their happiness. And he said, when you lose your innocence in any way, you can never go back. You will always – like, you can never you can never regain that. Mm. You know what I mean? And, and what you're saying about a parent not protecting their kid, these kids are just losing their innocence day by day by day – and they'll never reclaim it. Yeah, that's right. In the sense of protection, you can always think about, okay, I got to make sure they're don't do this, don't do this, don't do this, don't do this, don't go here, don't go here. But that's not that's not the only thing a parent should be doing. And I'm wondering if there are things that you see are as important as being a protection um, or even more important than just being that protection. Um, it, you know, it is important to lay the foundation of do's and don'ts. It's important to have the foundation of we don't do this. You know, we don't tell lies. We, uh, you know, so th- there is an aspect of don'ts that you uh-huh. have to lay down, but there is that aspect of do's. For instance, uh, Shelly and I were talking about this earlier. Um, I, I don't know if that would be this question. This morning, Adam and I were talking about the fact that it's you can have a list of do's and don'ts, but if you if it's not flowing out of who you are in your life in Christ itself, then the right. odds of you raising a child who knows the right thing to do but chooses otherwise could be very high. We've seen that quite a bit, but we were discussing how important it is that you're living this life yourself. Hmm. Yeah, I think it's real important that the um, that the kids see Shelly and I really living it out. You know, how many people have we talked to, Nate, that grew up in a Christian home, grew up in church, maybe even pastor's kids, but they even saw a dual lifestyle yeah. between dad on Sunday morning in the pulpit and dad during the week. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And they grew up so skeptical. I mean, I have friends now. I've talked to them, and I know you mm-hmm. have, and they've come through pure life. And so— it's really important for my kids to see Shelly and I really walking out the Christian walk, living it out, you know, and it's um, not really hard if you're if you're just following the Lord, you know, if you're just walking with God, if you have that right. daily quiet time, if you just, I mean, it's just not hard to live it out, you know, it's, I don't know, I think that sometimes... Uh, even when I talk to friends of mine in the church, it still, it seems like it's still, there's two ways of doing life. And it's uh-huh. not, you know, it's the narrow way or the broad way, period. And like Shelly said, um, you know, our cup overflows. And that's what the kids get. 
They get the overflowing of the Lord. Mm-hmm. It's not something that we have to pretend. It's not something that we have to try really hard to do. Uh, it's not something that we have to fake. I mean, it's a, just a real walk with God, and the kids take note of that. What do you think uh, some duplicities are that you see in other parents' lives? You know, I see things even like, you know, we won't let the, we don't let the, not, this is not us, but as an example, there might be parents, I have friends who, you know, well, we don't let the kids see that. We wait till they go to bed. But, you know, I mean, I question that. Like, I mean, I understand you're trying to protect your children, but in your walk with the Lord, is that acceptable to him? That's a good example. Yeah, it, it teaches, it teaches the kids that these things aren't really an issue of, following Christ, they're just an issue of age. So it's like, well, I'll just wait till I'm 18, and then I'll do everything you've been doing because I can't wait to get out from underneath your roof. Yeah, there it is. That's exactly right. Right. You know, when you're talking about the example, too, like I don't think it's so much that it's, well, I know it's not so much of living a perfect life. You know, more than anything, I think I see my failures with the kids because they get the full brunt of mom (laughs) sometimes. You know, Mm -hmm. and so in that, it's messy at times. But I know that it causes me to go to my knees and it causes me to repent before them. And, you know, what they're seeing truly then is just the gospel lived out before them. When, you know, mom comes Mm. and says, you know, I was too sharp in the way I said that. You know, would you forgive me? Or, you know, so it's not that it's we're perfect parents or that it's always pretty. But, you know, the Lord convicts us and they see the Lord convict us and they see us repent. And, um, you know, those are the things that ultimately we hope for them, not that they would live perfect lives, but that they would live lives of, you know, full of repentance and full, like that the Lord would come to them and they would learn to listen to him and hear his voice. And so, you know, you live that out together and that's part of the example. Yeah. Yeah, that is, and that's a powerful, that is a powerful example because when you see a person who is living the life that they're telling you to live, I don't, I'm not even sure it's like doubly convincing. I would say it's, it's the only convincing way. We talked about spiritual disciplines with our kids and, you know, both of our children, we developed, they developed quiet times very early on, but it came out of, for them, it was very natural because they see mom and dad up every morning getting quiet time. Just like they Mm. watch mom and dad brush their teeth, they learn how to brush their teeth. Well, they Mm. watch mom and dad get quiet time. And so simply teaching them, this is how we do it. And this is part of our routine. And this is our day. It's very natural to them because it flows out of our lifestyle. Actually, that 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 definitely starts to flow into something because there is the aspect um, of the example, but then there's also the practical outworkings of some of that stuff. Like you were saying, because of my walk with the Lord, I establish these boundaries in my life. And, you know, the typical American parent really doesn't, establish many boundaries at all with their kids. It's just like full-on access to internet, television, video games, like you were saying, Adam. And sometimes when I've heard parents talk about this, it's almost like they think it's essential for their kids. If my kid doesn't have access to this stuff, I mean, what what would happen to them? They, they won't grow up normal. Um, and you have chosen to live a life really separate from those things. So, Adam and Shelley, when you guys allow your kids to engage with media, how much time do you actually allow them 
for TV, movies, video games, etc.? Well, before I answer that, I would like to say answer the question or address the issue of parents who seem to think that their their kids cannot live without television, movies, a cell phone, uh-huh. full uh-huh. access to internet and video games. It's been my experience, the parents that I've dealt with or friends of mine that I have, their kids are already so fully immersed in that. That's why they can't see mm. life without it. The kids okay. are so immersed in it. They, they can't fathom having to go and take all that away now. And, and, and it does, and that is tricky. You know, I get it because you've let, you know, your kids give over, so to speak. For a couple of years, and now your light bulb comes on, and you want to go start taking those things that they're addicted to away already. Mm-hmm. And so it is hard, and I can understand why parents would say, "There's no way my kids can live without social media and video games and TV." You know, what are we going to do? Mm-hmm. Because mm-hmm. they're already immersed in it; they can't see their way out. However, sure, you know, Shelly and I, before we had kids, you know, we totally cut off all that. You know, without. No TV, no video games, none of that stuff. So, see, our our kids were raised up in that, without that, without, Mm. you know, video games, without uh, a phone, without, you know, movies, TV 24-7. See, our kids were raised up in that, so they don't know what they're missing. So it's a whole lot easier. Mm. You know, if if you do that, then to to give them everything, and then it's like taking candy from a baby. Mm Mm-hmm. What I mean, do you allow your kids to engage with any television, movies, cell phone? We do allow it, but I'm talking about the difference between um, us controlling it and allowing it uh, versus just, you know, they can have it anytime they want 24-7. Okay. That's the difference. Now, however, we do have a TV and a DVD player, but we control what goes into that, you know, and mainly for first and foremost is for me because <laughs> mm. Nate is the truth be told because you know you put a remote control in my hand and I'm gone mm. uh it, it's just the way it is and so and I know that about myself I'm weak in that way so I don't even go there we don't even have television but we do allow the kids to engage in uh, television you know we control the movies I'll give Andrew my cell phone you know to uh look up some scores or uh, baseball scores or whatever, just to check it briefly. But, you know, Shelly has it locked down in a way. I don't know. You have to talk to her about that. But she has it <laughs> locked down in a way where you can't surf the net. We use apps and things like that that are controlled. So I would say they do have some limited access, limited time-wise. During the week, school week, it's very little to none. Mm. On the weekend, I give them a limited amount of time on. We have an iPad, but it's completely locked down except for a few specific apps like Right Now Media with Christian kid shows mm-hmm, on it, mm-hmm. a couple of things like that that they can use um, and use some time for that. Um, if they do want to look up anything else on the internet, I have to be sitting there because <laughs> I just okay. don't trust it. For us, video games is just one monster that we have talked through and just really decided it is not for us we've just seen Mm. too much problems in that and so for our family we've just opted not to make that a part of our lives as far as a video gaming system well 
the reality is, Nate, I have never seen anything good come out of people playing video games. Mm. I've, ne- I've just never have. In fact, I have dear friends of mine, friends that have went through Pure Life, other friends, and they were addicted to video games, and it basically ruined a couple of them's life. You and I know a couple of guys like that. Mm-hmm. And um, now we will occasionally, if we go on vacation, we will uh, download a couple of... Very G-rated games to play in the car that are yeah. not connected to the internet. Yeah, like maybe a driving game or a pinball machine game or something <laughs> right? silly, but very exciting to them because they don't have Fortnite and all the, you know, Madden and, you know. <laughs> yes, <laughs> so, yeah, so right. <laughs> a little pinball game on the iPad is very exciting when you're, yeah. you know, not giving over to all that other garbage. Yeah. Yeah, it's funny when you talk about that. I remember as a kid when I was going on vacation, my parents would buy me a new book. And I could not wait to go on vacation so I could read this new book. You know, it's amazing. Like when you limit what's in your child's lives, some of those things are very fulfilling and satisfying and en- enjoyable. Yes. Well, I'll, t- I'll tell you just a side note. You probably won't go on record, but just a side note. Just, I was totally given over to movies. I mean, I was uh-huh. a movie buff. I've been off the air for a long, long time. And as far as movies and, and action movies and drama movies and all that. But man, I can sit and watch Frozen with Abby and I just love it. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's definitely going on the air. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, back in the day when I was given over to R-rated movies and uh, yeah. PG and action movies and everything out there, you know, Frozen would have been boring to me. So how do you draw the line uh, with respect to the content? We're pretty picky with yeah. the content, but we're also pretty picky in our own lives as far as what we watch and what we see. Um, I mean, man, we're pretty much like G-rated. Yeah, it's G-rated in, and, you know, we don't allow any profanity. We won't have any of that. We won't have anything that's uh sexual in nature but i mean it's just the way the way it is you know even one cuss word i mean we just listen i'm around it all the time at work i don't want to subject myself to it just for a little entertainment an hour and a half movie you know we we talked a little bit about what it would be like for a parent to begin to um bring some like scale back the amount of time and the types of content that they allow their kids to see and um you know, again, some people might think it, this is not even possible to live life without those things. But I'm I'm wondering if you could give some parents a picture of what types of things can be in in a family's life if you remove all that media, like really good wholesome things. I mean, I think that's the thing. It's If you listen to our last little bit of conversation, it sounds like we're so no, no, no. <laughs> you know what I mean? Just like stuck right. in the mud. But the reality is like our family is full of life. I mean, we are so active and we live life together. You know, I mean, and so mm. we take family walks. We go to the park. I mean, we read books. I mean, like you said, it's amazing if you don't give a kid a video game. They really will read books. Um, yeah. They play golf together. I mean, you live life with your kids. You ride bikes instead of living in these separate worlds. <laughs> mm, mm. 
it ha- it has forced us to really be involved with the kids, to hang out with the kids, to to really be a family, you know. And right, there's no family. One kid's in the living room watching TV. The other kid's up in the bedroom on the internet, and I'm in my office, and Shelly's in the kitchen. I'm just not a family. That's not how we do life. Mm. If I want to be the biggest influence in my children's life, then I have to be involved in their life. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. They have to see you. They have to hear from you. They have to be able to observe you. You know, I think about Deuteronomy 6 talks about, you know, all the times you should talk to your children about the Lord. Like when, you know, when you're walking here and when you're doing this. But if you don't spend time together, you just don't do it. But if you do spend time together, it's amazing how... The Lord is just part of your conversation. It's just a part of life, and it happens. Mm-hmm. It's natural. It's not forced. It just flows, I guess, again, out of your own walk with the Lord. And it's not mm-hmm. like it's always, I should say that, it's not like it's always easy. It's not, I mean, it would yeah. truly be much easier some days just to <laughs> hand them stuff and let them do their own thing and not screen stuff. It is work, I would say mm-hmm. that. But the dividends are just so much worth it. For instance, sometimes I'll just go up in Abby's room and just shut the door and just sit there and we'll just talk. And she'll want to she'll want me to watch her play with her baby dolls or just play with her little trinkets in her room. And I'll just sit there on the floor and watch her and we'll just chat. Well, if we had TV, she she wouldn't be interested in that and neither would I, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But because we don't have those other things you know we we just spend time together and we like she thinks it's the best thing going mm. to paint like a fair picture too i mean these are our standards about how much time we have and things like that you know but there are things like vacation weeks or sick days where the kids watch more tv than normal so it doesn't yeah. mean that it's like a hard and fast rule with no grace ever given but yeah, it is a good. standard that we try to adhere to and if we find we're getting a little too lax we are happy we, oh yes we need to pull it in you know it's been a little too much screen time we need to pull yeah. that in so it's something we're always you know pushing towards and, and trying to attain and keeps grounded in mm-hmm. yeah and i'm just thinking here too like because you adam know what it's like to have to detox from the world, if there's ever a time in which there has been a little bit too much screen time or whatever, then you can talk them through some of those things, how to navigate your own life with regard to the world. I, I want to talk a little bit more about some of the positive influences. Like we were saying, it's not just take, 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 no, 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 but here are things, spiritual things that we can put into our lives to create a godly atmosphere in our home, even with the kids. What are some of those things that you guys do? Yeah, the spiritual atmosphere in the home, it's it's conducive to the things of God. For instance, we've had people over here, and I can't tell you how many people say to us, man, your home is just so peaceful. Mm. And part of that is because I believe— one, a large part of the world is cut off from inside our home. And the other thing is, we have a, a very solid devotional life in mm-hmm. our home. And Shelly is really good about playing worship music, you know, throughout the house. And sometimes it's just quietly playing in the background. And, you know, Nate, you've been around me, you've been around our home, but 
you know, we're really always talking about the Lord. Mm-hmm. You know, we're really always exalting God in this place. Mm-hmm. In fact, we actually call this a house of God, <laughs> our mm-hmm. home, you know. We all individually have our own quiet time, even the kids. Yeah, I want to. I want to know a little bit more about that. How do you How do you teach an eight year old and a ten year old to have a quiet time? What does that look like? Shelly and I were married five years before we had kids, so we we had already established a solid, you know, two or three hour devotional life every day. So when we had kids, you know, we just had that habit. Well, as Andrew grew up and saw that, it was interesting because Andrew just wanted to do it too. And I don't think he really knew what he was doing. I mean, if he saw me golfing, he wanted to golf. If he saw me, Mm, you know, mm. working on the car, he wanted to work on the car. You know, whatever he saw me doing, he wanted to do. Well, he saw me seeking the Lord. He saw me reading the Bible. He saw me worshiping. He saw me praying. And he wanted to do that, too. Now, I'm not saying it's cookie cutter. I'm not saying that's for every kid. But I'm just testifying to what happened to us. So Andrew wanted to do that. And we encouraged him to that. Shelley bought him a children's Bible that he could begin reading uh, every mm-hmm. day. And we showed him and helped him how to pray for others. Very simple prayers, mostly the mercy prayer, you know, Lord bless him, just to get him started at a young mm-hmm. age. And, you know, Nate, he's continued that um, right up to where he's at now at 10 years old. And, in fact, we ended up getting him a one-year Bible a couple of years ago, two years ago, I think. And he's read the Bible cover to cover every word one time. And he's on his second year of doing that now. Wow. And Abby's the same way. They get up. Andrew, before he comes out of his room, before Abby comes out of her room, they read their Bible. Uh, I asked them to pick three people out every week, and they pray. I gave them the mercy prayer card and the prayer for the lost card that we use. Mm Mm-hmm. And I asked them to pick three names out, three people out, and they pick three people out, and they pray for them throughout the week, and then the next week they'll change to three other people, just establishing that habit of praying for others and reading their Bible. So we all do that individually, but then we all have a daily time in the Word as a family. Now, it's only maybe five minutes, ten minutes, uh, sometimes fifteen, but we definitely have that daily time as a family around the Bible and prayer. Okay. You know, I think at this age, you want to train them. I mean, you're training them in everything. You're training them how to make their bed. You're training them how to brush their teeth. You're training them how to get dressed. And so at this age, part of it is just training them how to have a quiet time. So, you know, we have a morning routine, and this is what we do here, and then we move to this, and then we do this. Well, we move that quiet time into morning routine. And so this is your time when you read your Bible, and this is your time when you pray, and You know, I've heard some people kind of argue about that and say, well, you know, we just want them to want to do it. Or we, you know, we're going to wait till the Lord tells them to do that. We just want them to develop that on their own. And, you know, we've thought about that. We wrestled through that. But the reality is we're teaching our children how to do everything else in life. Like, why would we not teach them that? Mm. Now, the reality is the Lord has to make that real to them. I actually heard a... um, a children's pastor at our church say, you know, you're kind of like an electrician where you wire the house, but then you wait for the Holy Spirit to turn the electricity on. We're trusting that at the right time, the Lord will make it real to them. And then these habits will have been established in their life. That is awesome. And, you know, Nate, it is awesome. Um, 
But, you know, we don't, we're just blessed in the fact that our kids want to seek the Lord. Mm-hmm. As a parent, I don't know what I would do if I had a kid that just, well, I don't want to read and pray. I don't want to do that. Mm-hmm. I believe that I would really just try to encourage them. But even when we introduce uh, things to the kids with regards to a quiet time or seeking or Bible study, you know, we don't, we don't, we're not heavy handed about it. For instance, like this morning, I'm like, okay, everybody get their Bibles. We're in James four. You know, it was exciting. It wasn't like, get your Bible and get in James four, you know? <laughs> so, <laughs> right. I mean, that's not any good, you know, but it's like, but for me, for me, it's exciting to start with. And that excitement rubs off. I believe everybody grabbed their Bibles and Andrew was right there. Abby jumped up in my lap. And was ready to go. And it was mm-hmm. it was it was sweet. And but we are under a commandment of God, train up in, a child in the way he should go. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, some of what we're sharing, I would say, is for the ages of our kids with our circumstances. And I don't know that it's an, sure. always a hard, fast rule. You know, for everybody, I don't know. I think that's one thing we're learning more and more as we parent the need that it's really not a formula. It really is being mm-hmm. led by the Lord and being on our knees before Him in regards to mm-hmm. the kids. Mm-hmm. Um, because the reality is we don't know what we're doing, <laughs> but he does. So that's, you know, what we're trying to, you know, live in the light of. Yeah. Yeah. And, and like you're saying, even though it's not a formula, there are some very, very broad principles that I think are hopefully uh, for a parent who's listening, this would be really attractive to them. Um separating in a real way from the things of the world and how that helps kids. I mean, they they don't need to be exposed to the rebellion and the pride and the selfishness and the lust of the world. They're just, they're so impressionable. And for them to rather, at, for for 16 to 18 years of their life, to be exposed to godly things is going to be far more helpful and at least and it would i would think it would teach them um i was thinking of the verse taste and see that the lord is good like they need to see that too in a world that's just constantly telling them no this is good all these things are are good and you want this and you need this to to know by experience you know what we don't need that and the lord is good so, okay, we're going to have to end this on a little bit of a difficult note, but, um, you know, the the hard reality is that this, even with all the ways that we can protect and guard and instill good values into our kids, the day is going to come when they are going to be exposed to something, sexual content, sexual situations, and it's just it's not a question of if it's just a question of when um and you guys are i'm sure wanting to prepare your kids for the moment that that happens what what would you any just closing thoughts on how to how to prepare your kids for that yeah you know Nate it's important um for instance you know we have prepared the kids uh, for if there is a fire in the home, I have prepared the kids. If we're in church and there's an active shooter, what to do? Okay. And you're right. It's things that we don't want to talk about. <laughs> it's things that we don't want to think about. 
but I think it's an injustice not to prepare them for possible real-life issues. So it's no different, Nate. I have to prepare mm-hmm. them for what happens when they come in contact with sin. Uh-huh. What to do, what to expect, what is the right f- response. So it's just something that you have to do. You have to prepare them for that. Mm-hmm. I mean, and I think if you just do that at an age-appropriate way. You know, I mean, I think that's the balance of like not wanting to steal the innocence, but also prepare them. So for instance, like, you know, our kids are still pretty young, pretty innocent. Um, but at a very young age, they've noticed, you know, if somebody is not appropriately dressed, <laughs> you know, mm. especially a female. And so, you know, at a young age, before it's ever sexual in their thoughts, we started like, I can remember saying, you know, that's not right. You know, let's pray for her and they'll stop and pray. So why not teach Mm. them to do mercy in their heart now, like before it ever gets that way? The other thing we've talked about is, um, you know, we've talked with them. If you ever do see something on the computer, because try as we might to shut things down, like you said, I mean, there will be a day potentially they could be exposed you know, so we've talked about them. If you would see something, you know, maybe that's not right or with a girl with not good clothes on, you know, you're not in trouble, but it would be important for us to you to come talk with us about that. And so mm. really, I think at this age, we're just trying to keep like lines of communication open with them. Another thing, um, you know, we live in Atlanta and sports are, are big here, but I've done the best. I've tried. We try to do the best that we could to not let sports get really big in Andrew's life. Mm. And it's it's a tough balance. You know, he does play baseball, but he plays instead of at a very intense baseball mm. uh, league, we put him in a church league. You know, it's, a, it's just a little more balanced. The kids are a little bit better behaved, maybe. And plus, we're in a church league, so I can use that if I see things that are inappropriate. Because we're playing on church grounds, we're in a church league, and I can be like, hey, coach, or hey, dad, you know, listen, we're at church, and that's not how we do, you know, versus an intense league where everything goes. Parents are screaming mm-hmm. at the umpires, umpires are throwing people out of the park. I mean, you know, craziness. So we, we do that. He plays golf, which is a gentleman's sport, so that's been easy to manage. Um, I typically take him to one college baseball game a year. Georgia Tech baseball game. Uh, I like it. They don't sell beer there. Very low attendance. It's not really intense. But he loves it. And I may take him to one Braves game. But we we typically only stay five or six innings. One, one, one college baseball game a year, one Atlanta Braves game a year, and one Georgia Tech football game a year. And we okay. leave at halftime. So we do, you know, we do a little bit of that. But it's yeah. certainly not to the extreme, you know, season tickets, 50-yard line, you know. <laughs> so, <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. I guess there is that side. Like, I mean, we want our kids – there is just – it's natural for him to like sports. That He's into that. It's When he's really good. Yeah, and he's like – she's a little girl and likes, you know, whatever. So it's we don't want to steal what's natural from them, but we also want to direct yeah. it and limit it. Yeah. I think that is what she said, limit it, you know, because we don't want that to be so overwhelmingly big and – important in their life to where it becomes an idol yeah yeah yeah. well that's what that's what i hear the whole this whole conversation is that it's really an issue of priorities that there are many things that god has given us that are good and can be enjoyed but 
they have to be in their place. And when they're in their place, it's good. It's when they're not – and when they have been exalted to this place of, of worship almost, then that's when it's so destructive. That's really, really good. This will be actually, I think uh, – I'm glad we chose you guys because you're very, very joyful about yeah, this. Yeah, I mean, because, and, you know, because the commandments of the Lord are not burdensome to us. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, they're just not. They're they're freeing and they're life giving. You know, originally when Patrick and I were preparing this show, we felt we had so much on our hearts to share. But when it came right down to it, Adam and Shelley did a way better job than we could. And I trust that their testimony spoke deeply to your hearts. The thing that stuck out the most to me was how attractive godliness is in their lives and how good God's ways are. You heard it. They have so much joy in seeking God and exalting Him in their home, even if that means cutting out a lot of what the world tells us we need to be happy. If only we could clearly see the peaceable, beautiful, and profitable ways of doing things according to God's Word. If only we had eyes to see right through all of Satan's counterfeits. How much sorrow we would be spared in this life. And again, I trust that God's truth has been impressed into your heart during this episode, and may God give you all the grace to follow his leading. That's all for this episode. We'll see you next week. Purity for Life is a production of Pure Life Ministries. For over 30 years, Pure Life Ministries has been the go-to for those whose lives have been devastated by sexual sin. Visit us on the web for more information about our life-changing counseling programs powerful teaching materials. Also check out our video clips of men and women whose lives have been radically transformed. All that and more at purelifeministries.org.